What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing? <laughs> I left my Bible, so I had to sprint back there real quick. Today is going to be a little bit different. Um, if you haven't been in our church for a real long time, you've never seen us do something like this before. But since this is the last week of Elephant in the Room, we uh, only got to cover four of about 15 questions. And so we're going to hit the rest of them as best we can today. And then some of you guys have texted in some questions, and I don't really appreciate some of the questions because I've seen them and they're hard because I like easy questions, but, um, but we're going to uh, do the best we can to knock out as many as we can. And so I look a lot better today. I just want to tell y'all, it's not because I have on new shoes. It's not because I have on a different shirt. It's because I have my lady up here with me. So y'all say hi to Leah this morning. Awesome. And so Leah is going to answer some of the questions whenever she wants to answer them. She's going to interrupt me, hopefully, and we'll get going. But um, I just want y'all to do this, and we're going to do the best we can of being out of the way of the uh, TV and just reading them. And I'm going to try not to stand too much, but I'm going to stand some and get a little bit fired up, and I'm going to preach a little bit. But today, what I hope y'all will do is, um, you good? Today... <laughs> What I hope that y'all will do is just open yourself up to what God wants to say to you through this format, because um, it is a little bit different, but I'm telling you, I promise you, this is going to hit everybody. Every single person, I don't care if you are 75, 80 years old, or if you're 15 or 12, it's going to hit every single person in the room. And so if you'll open your heart up, I really believe God's going to do something. One other thing, I'm not asking you to agree with everything that we're going to say. This is our opinion. Now, some of it is straight from the Bible. You probably need to agree with that. But, but seriously, uh, there's going to be some things that y'all are not going to agree with. That's not the goal of today. The goal of today is to honor God and that he will penetrate your hearts with his word. And if y'all have to agree with us with everything we say, we're in trouble. I just want y'all to find the truth, to find and follow Jesus. And that's the goal. So here we go. First question. Is it okay for me to live with someone of the opposite sex if I am not married? We saw, started off with a softball when I see. That's awesome. <laughs> a little easy one. Easy win. Okay. Shoo. Um, I'm going to stand up for this one. <laughs> Please find this funny and don't find it offensive. Have y'all ever heard people say when they're talking about this subject, well, you don't buy a car without test driving it, so isn't that the same thing? Now, has anybody ever heard that before? Yeah. For real? Like, the person that you're hanging out with is a car? Like, that's what I want to ask them. Like, this isn't the same thing. And this is a, one of those subjects that people don't want to touch because they don't want to offend. But in the journey that God has currently got me on, one of the things that I'm trying to do in my life is find out what prohibits or or cuts off my relationship with the Holy Spirit. So let me just read this to you. This isn't going to be on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 9 says, Do you not know that unrighteous, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers. Adulterers are people that are married and have sex outside of their marriage, but they're also people that aren't married and have sex with someone who they will be married to. Or they don't end up getting married to them. And the argument oftentimes is, Pastor, I've gotten this dozens of times. I'm going to marry this person, so isn't God okay with it? Um, no, because you're not married. And so it's easy to say that 
you will get married to them, but I can't tell you how many times they don't end up getting married. But the bottom line is, it's not okay, and I'll tell you in a second why. And then it says, neither thieves and greedy and all this, they don't inherit the kingdom of God. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And it goes on and on. But then it says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. All other sins a man or a woman commits are outside the body, but a sexual sin is a sin against the body. Honor God with your body. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal. This is what I want y'all to know about this. This is a hot button topic because it's hard. It's difficult. And, and it, it's easier. Like we almost get punished for getting married. Did y'all know that? There's a, there's a marriage tax. There's certain things. It's like, it's like you're weighed down. And then if you don't know for sure and you want to kind of test it out, Getting, getting divorced is difficult, isn't it? Some of y'all know this firsthand. It's difficult to get divorced because you pay child support and you do all these other things and alimony. And if you just hang out, you can separate and it's not that big of a deal. But I'm going to hit this on this topic and it's going to hit a lot of other topics, okay? We always have to answer this one question. Do I want to do it my way or do I want to do it God's way? Do I want to do it my way or do I want to do it God's way? Because at the end of the day, if I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit... If I want to see him change my life, if I want to see him move me to where the great things happen, if I want the Holy Spirit inside of me, who raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 11, to fill me and to power me, I can't do it my way. Because at that point, then I'm just saying, you know what, God, I need you to do all these things and be a magic show in my life, but, but I'm going to do this my way. And the church has just said, you know what, we're just going to look the other way. And so sex outside of marriage in any way, shape, or form, outside of a man and a woman being married and having sex in that relationship, is wrong. And here's the deal with that, by the way. So many of us want to look past that and say, yeah, but I'm telling you right now, it seems like a big deal if this is the case. I cannot. It severs my fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Severs it. It is non-existent. And you're like, I don't hear from God. I don't know what's going on. Listen, if you're having sex with people and you're not married, he's not going to hear you. And that's one of the sins, by the way. But this is, this is definitely called out differently because it's a sin against your own body inside of you, the temple of God that he made you. So while all sin is sin in the sight of God, not all consequences are the same. And remember this because this is going to be foundational too. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's awesome, right? Does anybody else think that's awesome that there's no condemnation? Three of you. Does anybody else think that's awesome? Because I know this is heavy, but that's good news. But there are always consequences. And your consequences are tied to your choices. And if you're choosing to do it your way, the consequence is your fellowship every single day with the Holy Spirit of God is severed. And so it is not okay to live with someone. But that also doesn't mean that we're looking at you going, Oh my gosh, look at that person. They're living with somebody else. We hate them. It, I know there's probably people in this room that are living together and you're not married and we're so pumped that you're, you're here. There's some of you that used to be living with each other and you've gotten married now and I think we should celebrate that. Does anybody else agree with that? I think that's awesome, yes. right? Because you decided that you were going to do it God's way now. So listen, this isn't condemnation. This is just answering the question. It, I don't think that there's even an argument that can be made. That it's okay. So it's not going to be this heavy, everyone. Everybody take a deep breath. Let me hear you say, oh. very good, very good. Here we go. That was as fast as I could do it. I'm sorry. Next question. Where should we stand with refugees? Is this me? Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Two quick, easy ones in a row, right? I bet. Can, will y'all just participate with me? 
Who thinks that we should let refugees into Spartanburg and Greenville County? Let me see your hands. Who thinks that we should? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I bet the should and should is might be. Who thinks we should not? And then who is abstaining from voting because this is church and we shouldn't be political? All right. <laughs> All right, here's the deal. I get both sides. Okay? I completely understand. So let me just start with the beginning of my answer. If we don't vet these people, here's what vet these people mean if you don't understand the word vetted. If we don't check into their background and really check in, and then once we've checked in, check in some more, and then after that, check in some more, and then check in some more, and check in some more. Know their kids and their wife, and then hide them and do all the stuff that we got to do, right? We, got, we will find everything that we need to find out about them. If that's not the first thing that you do, this shouldn't even be a topic. Does anybody else agree with that? Come on, somebody, right? But, now listen, and this is where m more of you are going to disagree than than. Agree, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm very comfortable with that. This is what Jesus said, and I just like what that guy says. I think we should maybe go with that. In Matthew 25, it's kind of what we've built our whole church around. He said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink, and I was naked, and you clothed me. And he said, when did, when did you do that? When you did it for the least of these. You did it for me. And I'm just telling you, little kids in Syria, could they blow us up someday? Yep. I think so. But y'all could blow me up someday. And I love you. And I've chosen to look at people and say, you know what? The best of men are men at the best. And that means they are jacked up. Come on, somebody. They are jacked up in their minds. There's not a person here that's perfect. If you need a perfect pastor or a perfect church, you're at the wrong place and you ain't going to make it any better. Come on now. <laughs> I do think we should be really smart. Really smart with this because I think we can mess things up really bad. But I am 1,000% convinced that Jesus would want us to open them up and love on them and take them in. So, we need to be really smart. We need to be really careful. We need to not be foolish. And we need to not just say, hey, everybody come on in. Let's hang the ISIS flags. We need to take them out. Can I just tell y'all something? We need to send missiles to ISIS right now and just destroy all of them. Having said that, I'm pro-Syrian refugees doing it the right way. Because I think if we look at Jesus, we'd be really frustrated because he'd hang out with the people that we would never think about doing it. And he would do it the opposite way. So again, I'm not asking you to agree with me, but I really believe that about Jesus. Next. Next question. Is drinking alcohol going to send me to hell? Is this you? Yes. Praise the Lord. <laughs> um, well, I definitely um, grew up in a background uh, where this was not acceptable, really not necessarily talked about. Um, but, you know, we're just going to base everything off of Scripture. Um, and in Ephesians... Um, 518 and I've got you know one little it is from the word I promise um, and it says don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life instead be filled with the Holy Spirit and Mark touched about this when we were talking about spiritual warfare is being filled with the Holy Spirit and not necessarily is that verse talking about being drunk with wine it's everything I mean we look at um, alcohol drugs and things like that because they're they're so out there and they cause so much damage um, but we also have gluttony. I mean, we don't even think about food in the same way, and that causes so many problems. 
Um, but it's anything, if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit and you're filled with something else other than Jesus Christ, and if it inhibits your ability to function and your ability to, you know, be interactive with him, yes, it, 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 like Mark says in the Bible, it destroys your relationship with Christ by not being filled with him and filling anything else in that place. Um, also, he talked about in 1 Corinthians 6 that everything is permissible, but it's not beneficial. So, you know, we come with personal convictions here. And if you, we don't necessarily say that it is wrong to drink wine because when Jesus turned water into wine, it was alcohol. Yep. It was used for celebration. Um, and it was enjoyed. And it was the best, right? It was the absolute best stuff. We didn't bring out the cheap things. Um, so I think that we have to also look at, too, if you are struggling in that area, do you need to take the wine? No. No? Because that's not for you. Because then that can lead to not being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, so I think in that, it comes with a personal conviction. Uh, if Are you struggling with that? Are you not struggling with that? Is that going to lead someone to, um, to stumble in a way that's going to be uh, distracting to them? Um, you know, you just have to look in those situations. But, you know, we have to go off what the Word says is being filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that it is wrong, but it can be used in the wrong way, just like everything else. And we have to really use that as a filter. That's good. I, I think a lot of people use the Nazarene creed, the rite, that what, what some Jewish people had to take. Uh, we know John the Baptist had to take that, and it says that he would not drink wine or strong drink. That's not you. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're not a Nazarene, right? Okay, two of you know that you're not Jewish, and the rest of you are like, yeah, I'm Kapoor, right? I'm Jewish. Okay, it's awesome. But, um, but and I'm going to hit on this again, but Acts 21 is so fascinating because Paul told us that there's basically four things that we shouldn't do. And I meant to say this a minute ago, but it says that you shouldn't be sexually immoral. You shouldn't take food that's been given to idols, food that's been strangled or has blood in it, and... Those are the four, strangled, blood, given to idols, and sexual immorality, by the way. And that goes back to should we live with somebody. If Paul only said there's four things we shouldn't do, have idol worship, do things that are offensive or cause other people to stumble, which is the, the idols and the, and the blood and the strangled, all mixed into one, and then sexual immorality. And that's why sexual immorality, by the way, is such a big deal. But that goes back to alcohol. There's certain settings that I should not touch alcohol. Can I be honest with y'all? Because I think people would look at it and say, I'm an alcoholic, and I see my pastor getting shwasted, right? And he's, that's wrong. But I'm going to tell y'all the truth. When Lee and I are in Punta Cana at an all-inclusive, I, I like it. <laughs> I think it tastes awesome. I check it out. I don't get shwasted, but I check it out. And if that offends some of you, I'm okay with it. I'm not upset that you're offended by that. But I'm telling you, in the Bible, I am a Gentile Christian, been grafted into the faith. The Lord has accepted me, accepted my salvation. And as a result, I do not believe it's a sin. I don't think you can find that it's a sin to drink. I just think it's easy for certain Baptists and certain, certain Presbyterians, certain these different groups to find certain things that we can pick on and say, I don't do that, so everybody else sucks, right? No. I absolutely stink. And alcohol, in my opinion, is neutral, just like food is neutral, just like everything else, until we abuse it. For some of y'all, you should run from the smell of it because you're an alcoholic. And that's what fills you, to your point. So that was good.
Next question. Does God give me a second chance if I'm divorced? Back to back. Absolutely. That's right. You preach it, Bill. You preach it. Absolutely. I mean, we're all in sin. And it does say that, um, that God hates divorce. But God hates the sin and not the sinner. And I go back to that so many times. So many you know, loved ones and people that have gone through divorce. And gosh, if we weren't given that second chance, if our friends and our family members weren't given that second chance, we can have restoration. We have so many people in here that have restoration in Christ from that. Being on both sides, the divorcer and the divorcee. I mean, God has used that in their past in a mighty way if you're in Christ. And it says, just like going back to Romans 8, there is no condemnation right. for those that are in Christ Jesus. Right. And that goes, that goes right back to, yes, there are consequences. If you've got children in the mix, they are split. You've got to now do child support and the money, and, and it's strained. Um, you know, and, and now we have been the product of that. We have friends that have the, uh, the product of that. But God is a God of second chances, and he can use your past no matter what it is. If you come to him and say, I can't do this anymore. Right. The, yes, it is a sin. And whatever was in that life that led to that point probably was sin. Uh, but For God can use it yeah. all. God can use that all of that. And, you know, so many of my loved ones are in that. And I just say that... I am definitely not qualified for this question, hmm. but I do know of the friends and family members that have been through it, and praise be to God yes. that we do not live. We, we serve the Lord in our mind, and this is in the end of Romans 7, but our bodies are flesh, hmm. and that's, that's going to happen. Those things are going to happen, but praise be to God that we are worshiping Him, and that's we good. go to Him in Christ, and there is no condemnation. That's for right. those that are in Christ Jesus. So absolutely, That's good. you have a second chance if you are divorced or been divorced or going through it or going through it. Next question. Do I need to come to church if I'm a Christian? Okay, so I, <clears throat> I, I think I'm going to answer this one a couple different ways. Do you have to go to church if you're a Christian? I'm going to let y'all answer this. No. No. Say it out. Let me hear you. Do you, ha do you have to? To be a Christian, do you have to go to church? Let me ask you, do I have to see my wife to be married? Nope. How's my relationship going to be with you, boo, if I, don't, if I don't see you a lot and I don't talk to you and we don't hang out? How's it going to be? It's going to stink. It's going to stink. And I like to see you because you're good looking. So I want to hang out with you, right? And it's really the same way. The church is the bride of Christ. Now, you're the church. Make no mistake. This building is not the church. You are the bride of Christ. But there's something that happens when we gather together. And so maybe I'm a little bit over the top when I'm dancing up here on the front row. But when I'm getting to celebrate the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, with all my brothers and sisters in Jesus, who, listen, you are my family because I had a blood transfusion. And it was called the blood of Jesus Christ who took away my sins. I'm no longer what I was. I was bought with a price. And as a result of that... People want to know how big is my family, and I'm like, guess what? It keeps on getting bigger. Come on, somebody. People keep on coming, and this is my family. I love my family. I love my family. I have great family, but you guys are closer to me than some of my family that has my last name or has my mama's last, former last name. Y'all are because y'all are my family in God, so is it important for a Christian to come to? Do I need to come to church? And I would just say, if you are married and you need to spend time with your husband or wife, then you don't even need to ask this question. Because when you try to do it on your own, and so many do, people watching online right now, you try to do it on your own. 
And we say things like you don't have to to be a Christian, and I believe that that's probably true, but I also think you can do it your way and you can do it God's way. And God's way is that it's better together. And you belong here. And it's much better here than it is on your own. And by the way, two are better than one because they bring a good reward. And though one may fall, two's not easily overtaken, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. But a cord of 300 strands, come on somebody, is a lot better than that. And God is building an army. And when I go to war, I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to go to war by myself because it seems pretty lonely. And I'm thankful to God that I'm not anything but a pastor because he's the head of the church. Come on now. He's the head of our church. And I'm thankful that I get to go to war with all of you guys. So you ask yourself, when you go to war, because this battle's not flesh and blood, right? This battle's not flesh and blood. Do you want to go to war by yourself or do you want to be covered with your brothers and sisters? And so y'all are welcome to not come, but, but I suggest you come because your relationship with Jesus gets a lot better and you, it's better together. Come on. Yes. Awesome. Next question. Is marijuana considered a drug to God? It's a natural plant, so is it bad? What about for medicinal purposes? Hey, listen. We had, like, I don't remember how many questions, and there was like a list of like, number one, number two, number one was stress, and everybody, seven people wrote in this one. Seven! We didn't have it on the list. We'd have it on the list, I'd have had to preach it one of the last messages. And this is what I said. And maybe the last service, they were like, what you talking about? Y'all ain't going to be like this. I need y'all to talk to me right now. I told Leah on the way to church this morning, because I saw that this was going to be one of them we had to answer three weeks ago. And I said, I need a bag of Cheetos, you know what I'm talking about, and some nachos up in here for the munchies. Some of y'all don't even get it. Because we have a bunch of people that are cool with the Chiba up in this place, okay? Somebody like Puff Puff Give. It's we're in the church. But now here's the truth. Here's the truth. I'll give y'all the answer now. Some of y'all are like, I'm never coming back here. That pastor's crazy, right? Welcome to the jungle. Yes, he is, all right? But now here's the truth. So I'm split on this because um, if, if, if I'm just giving you my whole truth, if I talk about just straight up marijuana versus straight up hard liquor, I'm not talking about beer. I'm talking about like the hard stuff. I've not really met too many potheads that beat their wife. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like I, you don't meet a whole lot of them. Now they ain't going to work. <laughs> They're going to be sitting at the house and half baked and all that junk. But, but but I don't see a whole lot of, of like anger with it. And so if I'm just basing it on sin levels of how destructive it is, I've, I've not seen a whole lot of times where liquor gets added to an equation where it increases the work productivity and the, the not being angry. I know people do it to, to get through hard things. So as far as that goes, I get the argument for weed. But this is where it just gets knocked right out the door, okay? I'm probably going to stand up. I'm just warning y'all. This argument about it being natural. Is this for real? Like, this, I know you grow it, but you grow the holly bush too and y'all not smoking the holly bush. Like, I don't need to hear that it's just because it's natural. There's all kinds of things. When you walk out, it's like, I'm cutting the grass. I'm going to go smoke it. No, it's not. It's because it makes you feel real good. So let's not even argue that that's why. Lies, you know what I'm talking about, but I love you. But then this is the deal. And it's bigger. Let me, hit, let me do the last one, too. Y'all know good and well it's your grandma's prescription for cataracts. I got cataracts. Talking about this medicinal. Y'all are 15 years old. Talking about this medicinal. 27. I need it. 
my knees hurt. I heard B over there. My knees hurt. Y'all, come on now. Somebody's lying to somebody. But now here's the truth, y'all. Here's the truth. The Bible lists sins over and over. Galatians 5 and all these different places it lists sins. And we read over sorcery like Satan worshiping. That's crazy. Like they're overdoing voodoo and the people in certain parts of Louisiana and they got crazy stuff. They're about to fire less miles because they're crazy, right? And, and so I'm not doing sorcery. Did you know, and I said this I think two weeks ago, but the word for sorcery in the Bible is pharmakita, where we get the word pharmacy, drug. And you can't argue with the studies that, that this right here is a gateway or an inroad. And this is why. It gives me a euphoric feeling. I've never smoked weed, but I, I know enough about it. It gives you a euphoric feeling. Of, it's just like this high that, that makes you feel great. The problem is it kind of gets dull after a while. You know what I mean? Like it's not quite enough. And this is what I think is the damaging and damning thing going on in our country right now. If I were to show you my arm right now with this huge vein right here, Y'all be like, and I had holes in it. You'd be like, he's the pastor, and that dude is on some heroin. But if I had back surgery three years ago, and I'm still having to take Oxycontin, did y'all know that's synthetic heroin? Did y'all know that? Same thing, just in a pill. But that's different, because it's a pill, and my back hurts, and I need it. No, it's killing us. And Xanax. Well, I'm stressed out. Well, get unstressed. You know what I mean? That's the devil. And it's killing us. And we've accepted it. Now, if you find out someone's taking crystal meth, you're like, oh, they're the worst person in the world. But then you find out some of the ADD medicines is crystal meth in a pill form. And I'm telling y'all, this is my issue with marijuana. Pharmakita is always, 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 you can't argue it. This is straight from God's word, linked together. And as soon as you start down that road, this is what you'll hear from anybody that's tripping on pills. I can't function without it. The minute that I say I can't function without anything other than, I mean, obviously you need food and water to survive, so don't go there. But at the minute that I say a pill is what I can't function without, then God is out of the equation. Now, some of you are, are, are depressed from things that have happened in the past. Take your depression medicine today. Don't miss what I'm saying. All medicine is not bad. I'm not a crazy person that says you should only cut the, the bark off of a tree and eat that, and that's your medicine today, okay? Don't miss what I'm saying. I'm saying you don't need it, and you're having to function with it because you've taken so much of it. It is killing us. And then this is the biggest problem because I hadn't even gotten there yet. It's a gateway open into the world that we never wanted to be in because this battle's not flesh and blood. It's principalities and it's darkness. And you are opening a door that you never wanted open into the world that is dark and cold and scary and you're not big or strong enough to fight the simplest spirit in this world. And those spirits are not simple and they're not small because they're the demons of the devil. And I just believe there's something that they attach to you when you start messing with drugs. If you don't need it, Throw it away today. Throw it away. And I don't care how it makes you feel. It's wrong to smoke weed. It's wrong because this is where you're leading. So I love you. I understand the arguments. Survey says, Bam. all right, next. Next question. Do you believe in spanking your children? Well. Well. <laughs> well, come on, somebody. Um, well, I'll take this one. Um, yes, we uh, spank our children. 
Um, and we get it from, of course, Proverbs 13, 24. I'm, I'm going to read it just to make sure, you know, I don't mess it up. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent in disciplining him or to discipline him. Uh, and definitely we get that from God's word. Uh, we are to discipline our children. We are very selective in what and how we spank. Um, we spank for disobedience. Um, our children say, when, do you, when you disobey, what do you get? And they say, a spanking. Um, and if it's something that they have been told time and time again, we might use spanking in a timeout. Come on. Um, they may need some extra reinforcement on that. Right. But we have to be very careful, too, and to not spank in anger. Um, and we have to apologize when we're real. We're not perfect people. We're not perfect parents. We don't have the answers in parenting. Um, we apologize because people are human. We are human. We make mistakes, and we want our children to know that we make mistakes. Um, we also wanted them to know that disobedience is in relationship to God. I mean, we, when we disobey God, we have consequences, and we want them to know that as well. So we have to be really careful. And, and you guys, you know, you have to be really careful what's right, what's wrong, what to do, what's the best way. Um, I'm, I'm sure that parents would probably, if you looked at the things and the books that they read and the website they looked like and they looked at, parenting is probably one of the one of the most things that they are looking at. Just so the answers, what's the right thing to do in the way that I need to bring up my children? We all want a well-rounded child, but um, first of all, I would say don't spank in anger, definitely, and also do what Ephesians six four says: is fathers don't provoke your children to anger. Because if you're spanking in anger, that provokes them to anger. And then they see you angry, and that, that's not good. That's never good. And, um, but, hey, we're not condemning. Um, there's always forgiveness. There's always forgiveness in children. And they are so easy to forgive you and, you know, and try to do the right thing the next time. Um, and they will love you for the discipline. They will love you. Oh, yeah, and we, well, <laughs> we spend a lot of time apologizing to our children. Um, for the things that we do. If it happened, we do something that we didn't feel like that was appropriate for them or something that we said or an argument that we had, uh, we definitely apologize. And it's okay to apologize to your children. They need to see that you're not perfect. Um, you know, and, and, and we need forgiveness too. It's not just for them. It's, it's for us. It's for everybody. And then that will give them the relationship that they need with the Lord too and, and, and bringing them up in that way. So. Next question. If a homosexual receives Christ, tries to renounce his or her homosexuality, but nonetheless continues to be homosexual, is he or she forgiven? Whew. Keep throwing easy ones, Josh. Come on. Um, forgiven, yes. Uh, if they truly if they truly repented, they're forgiven. But the consequences of sin are not gone. And that's the deal is, um, is I, I think we, we misrepresent sometimes forgiven and consequence free. And it's like a get out of hell free card. I get to do whatever I want to do. And here's the deal is I, people ask me this question a lot. Um, how do I know that this person was really saved? They prayed a prayer when they were a little kid. Are they really saved? And, and the truth is, there's, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I, just, I think if your want-tos never change, then, then maybe you never met the one that changes your want-tos. 
that Jesus never filled your life through his Holy Spirit, then there was never a, a lifestyle change. That does not mean, by the way, what some people preach, that it happens immediately and everything takes place. Salvation is immediate. My lifestyle changes over time. That is sanctification or growth in Christ. If I believe that you should be fully mature, that is hilarious. That's like thinking that my kid should drive a car and be the president tomorrow. Nah, we just trying, not, we just trying to go poo-poo in the potty. Come on, somebody. Shoo! And when we do, we get five Tootsie Rolls and we lose our mind because he's a little one. He's a toddler. Some of y'all are toddlers in the faith. You're still trying to go potty. It's okay. You're still figuring this thing out. Having said that, there's two things that I want y'all to know. Homosexuality, I'm just going to tell y'all straight up. This is one that I have researched a lot because I didn't want to say what everybody else told me. I wanted to know. It is found twice in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 1 and in 1 Corinthians uh, six, and the word is clearly for homosexuality, and it's only speaking on an add-on to sexual immorality, which is God's way as a man and a woman in marriage. Having said that, what we've done is we've made it our horse that we can ride on because we can pick on that if we're not that. You know what I mean? And that's we love to throw rocks at this if we're not this. Because to, to fully answer this question, what I think we have to do is say, take this word out and say, I continue to be whatever I am. Am I forgiven? Because I think that's the bigger problem with this question, not homosexuality. Homosexuality is wrong. If I want to pursue, my heart is burning toward any lifestyle other than what Christ has for me. I am going to sin today. I need everybody to know when I say I am going to, I'm, I probably did this morning. But if I haven't, I promise I will very soon. But I doggone sure don't want to because I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and I want to please him with everything that I do. Not so that he loves me, but because he loves me and he called me according to his purpose to live his lifestyle. But I'm going to sin. It's not about if you sin. It's about if you give up, throw your hands up and say, no more, I can't do this. I've tried, I've tried to change, I can't do it. Sometimes you're going to mess up, you're going to fall and that's called sin. But as soon as I say I can't do this, here's what I'm saying. God, your way is hard and my way is easy. And the Bible talks about a broad road which leads to destruction and a narrow road which not many find because it's hard. And Satan puts these barriers up when I'm going to the narrow road and it's like, man, that looks tough because there's briars out there, right? And, and it's difficult. And I think that this is what this is. That broad road, man, everybody's like, I, I don't know. And then on the other hand, I feel like our pride just swells up. Thank God I don't struggle with this. And it's a shame. And it reminds me of a story in Luke 7. I have, I have it opened up. Um, Jesus comes into this house. I'm going to read a couple verses, but Jesus walks into this house. And the Bible says that there was a woman. Some people believe this was Mary Magdalene, but I don't think it was. I think Luke is writing about a completely different story. And it says a woman who was very sinful or very known for being sinful, translation, she was a prostitute, comes in the house. The first question I would have is how did they know who she was and how did she know to get in the house? Come on now. How did she know where to go in and how did she know how to make herself at home in that house? But the guy that was the head of the house, Simon, he was very proud of himself. He was a Pharisee. And he was looking and condemning everybody while this woman was taking an alabaster jar out and washing the feet of Jesus and crying and weeping on his feet and washing his feet. Here was Jesus' response. Jesus always told stories, and I love that about him. 
He says, a certain money lender had two debtors, one that owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. When they couldn't pay, he forgave the debt of both. And Jesus said, which one did he forgive more? Which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one that had owed 500. And Jesus said, you've judged rightly. You see this woman right here? The prostitute, the nasty one, the homosexual, the idolater, the awful. You see that dirty person that we've judged forever and we've said, I can't believe how awful they are. You see them? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. And that was customary for a person of honor. You gave them water for their feet. You didn't do that for me. And she wet my feet with her tears and wiped my feet with her hair. Women didn't do that. Your hair was glory. More so than even today, you did not let your hair down. Better yet, wash a man's nasty feet. And she did it. You gave me no kisses, but from the time I've been here, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet, a sign of humility. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with this ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins are forgiven, which are many. Which are many. She loved much. But he who is forgiven, little, loves little. Can I just put this in perspective? And I'm going to get preaching, so I'm going to try not to. If you think that your sins are not many, you will not be forgiven for much because you'll believe that you're awesome. And the pride that wells up inside of you when you believe that to be the case is the number one enemy of your life for living the, your fullest life in Jesus. If when you think of the word sin, you think of anybody but you, check yourself before you wreck yourself, somebody. Because pride is just overwhelming your life. The, the number one sinner that I know is not someone on a most watched sinner list. It's Mark Pangle. Because I know what's inside my head. And I know the filth that I am or used to be, I should say. And I know what Christ saved me from. And that's why when I get emotional all the time while I'm preaching, that's why. Not to try to convict you, not to try to twist you, but because I am so thankful for what Jesus did in me. And so every person that's homosexual, I want you to listen to me. And online, I want you to listen to this. Your sins are not too many, and you're not too far from God. But you can't think that it's okay, and you can't think that you can't go any farther. I'm just going to go a little bit more. I'm going to be a little bit liberal with time on this one. I just think the Holy Spirit wants me to say this. I, I read this week there was a football team who this summer his coach was trying, their coach, excuse me, was trying to prove to them that they could do something and have mental things. So they brought in a mental coach and they did all this stuff. One kid on the team had this pill to take and it was for like a little disease that he's going through and it causes hives to break out all over their body. And so they take supplements, all football teams take supplements and this was back in uh, June or July and they said, listen, we gave all of y'all in your supplements this pill that he's taking. It's not gonna hurt you, but you've taken them for a week now and we want y'all to know that we wanted y'all to do that to see the effects. Within two days, within 48 hours, they all started hiving up. Now here's the crazy part. None of them got the pill. Not one of them got the pill. Their mind, their mind began to believe something. And what lives in your mind happens over time. If I let things live in my mind, they hate me. If you, you look at Facebook all the time, but we judge the people on uh, homosexuality. I can't believe what she's saying. Look what she's wearing. She's the, she's the hoochie mama. She's wearing them cootie cutters. I can't believe what she's doing. And that's what we say all the time. And we just cut people off. Cut them, cut them, cut them. And we hate. And our pride just wells up. Look how good I am. What, what lives in your mind happens over time. I promise you, your mind is 
power. And the reason the enemy attacks your mind is because he wants you to believe that you're good. I want you to believe that the only thing good in you is Jesus, but because of that, you are righteous because of that. Come on now. I am the righteousness of God, but not because of what I know in the Bible and not because of the good things that I do, only because of Christ in me and his Holy Spirit who fills me up and changes me every single day. It is not me that makes me good. And if I let it live in my mind, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I'll never do this. I can't beat this sin. I can't do this. I can't do this. You will not do it. But if you say this, the Holy Spirit inside of me is the same Holy Spirit that Jesus was raised from the dead from, Romans 8, 11, and I believe that his Holy Spirit can wreck the world and do anything, and there's no sin that will cause me to be named by any longer. I'm not this. I am not alcoholic. I am not, I am not, I am not adulterer. I'm not anything that you used to be. I'm the righteousness of God. And today I'm going to purpose in my heart like Daniel did in Daniel chapter 1 not to take the food or drink from the king because I will not be defined by this any longer. Because what happens in your mind happens over time. There's a war for your mind every single day. And that's why God said, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your spirit, all your soul and mind which are connected together and always work in harmony. And we think that and we're like, that's awesome. I should just think about him every once in a while. No, every second of every day you remind yourself that you're gonna change the world. That the reason I get fired up and kick things when I'm singing that song is not because I can change the world, but because the Holy Spirit inside of me is the greatest witness on the planet and he's already changed the world and I'm just walking into his calling for my life. So whatever you struggle with, and I apologize for getting a little, come on somebody. <clears throat> but this is how you change. Stop trying to do it on your own, but know that you can. The reason we don't see prayers answered, by the way, this isn't even a question, but I'm gonna help you with it. It's because because when someone gets cancer, we say, oh, God, please, if you will, for real. Because in my mind, I really think that there's no way he can. My prayer now is, God, I'm going to sow a seed and believe you for something, but I know you've already done it. And I'm just, I'm just claiming what you've already done in the name of Jesus because your power is much greater than this cancer or anything else that's taking place. But we don't have faith of a mustard seed, so why do we expect mountains to move? We can't even move an anthill. And I just think if we ever step out and say, God, this is your world, and you've called us to make glory for your name and you told me and I'm claiming what you've given me. I'm not claiming to be rich and famous and all this. But I promise you, the person that in their mind thinks broke stays broke. That's just how it is. Come on. Sorry, that was a little crazy. Go. <laughs> Next question. How do you deal with a spouse who has a porn addiction? How do you repair trust and what do you do? So I'm taking this one. Uh... I just challenge you, if you are going through this in your marriage, um, in your relationship, uh, you know, whether it is the male or the female, uh, I said last service, let's not put a gender on it um, and think that it's for a man or for a woman. Um, it happens in, in any gender, so let's not do that. Uh, but if you are going through this, um, let's say wife is dealing with this with her husband and... Uh, since I'm just talking about it right now, they have to come to a point where they're ready because you can't point a finger and say, I caught you. That is no love in that at all. And it says in, you know, a lot of the passages that I'm going to talk about in 1 Corinthians 13 is the love passage. Check that. Make sure that you're doing those things. 
you can't see the speck in their eye before you get the plank out of your own. And, and I've, I'm a witness to this too. You know, you, you think in a, in a, a victim um, standpoint, I've not done anything wrong. I've not done anything wrong for them to do this to me. And sometimes you may feel like it's personal. It's not personal. It is a war against the, the principalities and darkness of this world. And, you know, in situations that we've been in in the past, uh, yes, you do need to uncover the sin, but you need to uncover the sin in love. And, I mean, this is just a side note. I'm not going to say this that, you know, you have to do this all the time. But if you and your spouse are needing to discuss something and it's pretty hard, don't do it at the times where you're already at each other's throats. Don't do it at the time when I'm just going I'm just gonna give a word. Don't do it at the time they're being a diva and they're hungry and they need something to eat. Snicker Feed their bellies and I mean, make them happy. <laughs> and then talk about it in love. And I'm not saying it's always going to turn out great. It's not. Let's be real. Okay? It might turn into a knockdown, drag out war. But to uncover a sin is to uncover it in love. Because the pointing the finger is not going to work. Is how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you out of this? I'm sorry for the things that I've done. And let's just go ahead and say, you know, what it is. If you are the wife in this situation, dealing with this in your marriage, have you been giving up that to your husband? Come on. It's in the Word. And I'm guilty of it, too. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Let's say, oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's every night. Let's go. Let's go. No, I'm tired. We're tired. Life is real. Praise the Lord. Life is real. But it does say in the Bible that the marriage bed is undefiled and that the man needs that. And you need that. That, that is the intimacy that you can have with no other person except for your spouse. God ordained that for you. So use it and make it beautiful. What has been destroyed, I know. What has been damaged, I know, may have a hard time being repaired. But from, you know, if it's the husband or if it's the wife in whatever situation, you have every right once the sin is uncovered to check behind them. Um, husbands encourage you or whatever the wives encourage you if you're dealing with that. Get rid of the iPad. Get rid of the phone. Get rid of the computer. Get rid of the Internet. Get rid of the TV shows that have it on there. Run. That's what it says, to flee from the sin. Flee from it. Take it away. Don't say, no, I can do this. No, you can't. Preach. It's there. That's and right. it's always going to be there. And until you're at the point where you've allowed Christ to come in and that we're not condemning, of course, because there's no condemnation in Christ, he wants you to be free from that. And so you have to flee from that and run to him. So take off everything that you have that is tempting you with that. And, and wife, husband, you have every right to go behind them and check, and check in love. If you've uncovered something, uncover it in love. Because love covers a multitude of sins. First Peter 4, 8. Love covers a multitude of sins. If you want to trust them, you're going to trust them again. But you have to get to that point. And it's okay to get help. There's no wrong. There's nothing wrong with seeking help and seeking counsel. You may need that third party. There's nothing wrong with going to a counselor. There's no shame in that. So don't think, oh, I can't, I can't believe that I have to go and do this. No, it's okay. That's what they're there for. That's why the Lord put that here is for them to help you. And so there's nothing wrong with seeking godly counsel. That's awesome. We say a counselor, but it's not, it's not things wrong. It's things awesome. Yeah. It's preventative maintenance, if you will. But This question was texted in. What does worshiping do for me? 
Great question. Worshiping uh, connects you with God because that praise and worship is the love language of God. So let me just tell you what me knowing my wife's love language and then doing it does for me. It makes my intimacy really good. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. We just talked about it. You just said every day, so I'm thankful. But, uh, <laughs> but that's what it does. So I just ask this question. If I only want to worship the way that I want to worship, and if it's sad or if it's crazy over the top and it's never, it's never still, and there's seven different words for love or for worship in the Bible, in the Hebrew, and I did it at our last night of worship, and I may preach on it again sometime because it's so cool. There's so many different ways, and he loves them all. But worship for me makes my intimacy with the Holy Spirit, with God who is alive, explode. And it's different. It's not just one way. It's all different ways. Just like my wife does not receive love just in one way but in lots of different ways, from a touch from her husband, from when I vacuum and clean the house, to when I buy her roses, to when I just am a shoulder she can cry on. Those are all ways that we connect. And listen, you are the picture of us, or you and your wife, or you and your husband, because me and Jesus, the bride and the bridegroom, and my intimacy changes when I want it to change, and it gets farther away when I just neglect it. It's the same way with worship. That's what worship does for me. It's a connection with God. I get to glorify the name that is above every name. And that's why I go bananas when we worship. Because I want to show him that I'm not worried about anybody around me. I'm just worried about him. And I love him so much. And I just want to go crazy and show him. I'm not doing it for y'all. I love y'all. But I'm never worshiping for you. I'm worshiping for the King of kings and Lord of lords. And our last question this morning, how do we know the Bible is true? How do we know the Bible is true? That's a great last question. Second Timothy 3.16. It's easy to remember because John 3.16, so y'all can remember this one. Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God breathed. The word breathe is pneuma, Holy Spirit. Spirit, pneuma, breathe, pneuma. All scripture is the Spirit of God on paper for us. And Jesus is the Word, and the Word became flesh and lived among us, John chapter 1. But all scriptures God breathed, and then it tells you what it's used for. But here's why I trust the Bible. Because Jesus, and this is not just from the Bible, this is Josephus, a Jewish historian who was not a Christian. He was a Jewish man. He wrote about Jesus and wrote about the resurrection. And they questioned it, but they couldn't question the effects of what happened. And all of that is awesome. But here's the one thing that I can't get past. Some of y'all don't know me that well. I'm, a, I'm an apologist, meaning I like to argue. I, I love debates. I love things like that. When I taught school, I taught a world uh, religions class that was basically an apologetics class where we debated. We went through all kinds of subjects. and I loved it so much. And um, I finally got to the point where Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so wasn't enough for me. You know what I mean? And maybe you don't. Maybe your whole life, that's all you've known. But I just want to do a cartwheel. When Jesus said that he was going to die and rose again, and then he did. And then his half-brother, who denied him the entire time, who was mad at him, who never believed, who at the day that he died, I don't believe, was cheering him on, James. And Judas, or uh, excuse me, Jude, 
another book in the Bible. Imagine being the brother of a dude who's claiming to be God. That doesn't go well. Can I just tell y'all, my sisters, if they came in here right now and they were like, is your brother the Messiah? to be like, which brother? Because I only have one and it ain't him. Come on now. But when he rose from the dead, it flipped their lives, his brothers, upside down. And they died for the cause of their brother who was God. And that just does something for me. Because out of the mouth of two witnesses, you have truth. And they were witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the ascension of their brother. And so the reason is because the death, burial, and resurrection is why we have faith in the foundation of every principle. It's the rock in which we stand. And then the firm foundation that we continue to build it on is because James said so. And Luke saw or Luke wrote about what he was told and Peter wrote about it and John wrote about it and all these guys were there. And that's why I believe. Because so many books get changed and revised and this book has never been revised. They've written different definitions about it. They've, they've written different things about it. They've translated into different languages but it's never changed. Because his word is the same yesterday, today and forever. Because Jesus is the Alpha and the, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And His Word can never change because He is truth. And so the reason that I believe from stitch to stitch, I don't know what everything means, but the, the reason I know that it's true, even if it's been misinterpreted, is because Jesus said it was, and Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. And whatever that guy says, I want to believe. So don't just believe because your mama told you to sing a song, the B-I-B-L-E, because that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God to be IBLE. That's a great song, but let's go a little deeper than that. Find truth for yourself. Find and follow Jesus because your life can have hope in every circumstance because His Word is true. It's living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. And it cuts to the heart of every sin that I have and heals on the back end of it, sewing me back up before it is even through. There's no condemnation in Christ because there is healing and freedom in Him. And that's why I know it's true. I can just tell you that everyone that stands in front of me and wants to argue, there will be so many that are smarter than me, but no one can take away my experience with the Lord. And that's why I believe. And today, what we want to offer you is a chance to know that, that Savior, that Jesus. Because so many of you have been skeptics for so long and you've tried things and you've never experienced freedom. You've experienced freedom from, but that's not real freedom. It's freedom to Jesus in open arms that I don't have to be what I was and I get to do whatever I want is not freedom because eventually you end up in jail if you do whatever you want. Freedom is I don't have to be defined by the things of this world. I get to be defined by the King of Kings. I'm a son of the Most High God. I've had a blood transfusion. Y'all are my family. Not everybody out there, but the, the children of God. Y'all are my family. Y'all are my blood family. I don't care if you're, if you're white, African-American or Hispanic. I don't care. I don't care what background you have. You're my family. And I just want to invite you to the family today to take on the blood transfusion because the blood of Jesus is how we have freedom from our sin, forgiveness of sin. And so if you've never done that this morning, that's our offer to you is to invite the King of Kings and Lord of Lords into your heart to change you forever. Will you bow your heads with me? Pastor Mark, I've never done that. I've never met Jesus I've heard this a lot, but I've never really heard it like that. And the truth is, I didn't know if I really should believe 
But today, I want freedom in Jesus' name. I want hope in his name. I want to give my heart and life to Jesus right here and right now. If that's you, I believe there's many of you in this room that that is you. And if that's you, just raise your hand up, man. We're not going to embarrass you. That's not our goal. I just want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me as high as you can. As high as you can, just say, pray for me. That's me. That's me. I need Jesus to save my sin, save my soul, and to give me freedom this day. I want to be alive in Jesus Christ. God, what an awesome thing it is that every person in this room is saved. And so God, our hope is that we leave here today and we're never the same. We're going to mess up. We're still going to be us. But we're going to choose what this song says to that be our testimony. That the spirit of the living God, the pneuma, the breath of life from God fills us and changes us every day. And now we stand to sing, to declare your holy name because it's your love language and you love to hear from us. And God, we want intimacy with you. And that's why we do what we do. Not so that we're better, not so you love us. You can't love us more. And that blows our minds. We do it because you love us. And we love you back, Jesus. And now we stand and sing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, y'all stand.